0: Bueller. Are you better off than you were four years ago? I
1: want my MTV! I want my MTV! Shall we play a game? Mr. Gorbachev, tear down
0: this
2: wall!
1: Come back with me to the 1980s and the roller coaster ride that was my high school experience. I lived a John Hughes life, and some of the celebrity vocal talent I've assembled to take you on this journey helped to give us all that 80s good time vibe. This all happened. The names have been changed to protect the not so innocent.
0: Every school class has several groups or cliques. This boy's name is Rod Hunter, an unusually popular adolescent. He's a three-letter athlete, he's intelligent, and comes from a family with good income and high social prestige. Broad is the leader of the clique, which dominates the social life of the school. Here's Ben, a boy whose background could be described as lower class. But his exceptional talent, his intelligence, his determination and his social know-how have all brought him almost total acceptance among the clique. And the exception to the general rule, the voluntary isolate, Peter McGiven. The boy who doesn't really want to get into the clique and is happy following his own pursuits.
1: This episode takes a pause in my transition from middle school to high school and the transformations I made, all in the effort to fit in. You can't talk about Westwood High without bringing in some of its teachers. I was really blessed with some great ones. And some of them I didn't learn much from, but man, I love them as characters. The other thing I need to explain is a single word. A word that could erupt a fight. A word that was the nuclear bomb, the mother of all insults at Westwood High School. Anywhere else, the word meant nothing. But at Westwood, this one word trumped every racial slur, bested every your mother joke, shut down every argument. If you threw it out there, you had to be ready... For what came back at you. That word was CUNNERMAN. C-U-N-N-E-R-M-A-N. Sometimes it was pronounced CUTTERMAN with two T's instead of the two N's, but it didn't matter.
2: Say what?
1: Whoever got called that word knew what it meant also likely meant a solid ass picking. Now, why? My 10th grade English teacher once taught us the origin of the word. He claimed "counterman" derived from the name counterman, a family of junkers back in the 1920s or 30s, and they were ne'er-do-wells that, that most people held in contempt. So growing up, parents admonished their kids to not be countermen. You want to be like a counterman? Don't be a counterman. And over the years, the local vernacular morphed it into Cunnerman, or the sometimes used cutterman. It seemed to me that Westwood had its own language when I first moved there. I'll give you an example. In sixth grade, a girl came up to me and asked if I was going with anyone. Well, I replied, going where? She asked again, as if this time I was going to magically get it. Was I going with anyone? I had no plans of going anywhere. She finally just asked if I had a girlfriend and well, then I understood. However, when I first heard someone get called a Cunnerman, I was shocked. The kid who got called the name flipped, went into a rage and came at the accuser with a "What would, would you fucking call me? Would you fucking call me? I learned really fast. you don't call anyone a Cunnerman. Unless you're willing to risk an ass beating. I've watched kids get called all sorts of names, the worst slurs, the worst sexual acts a mother could perform, but man, drop Cunnerman. My ninth grade history teacher, Mr. Powell, had a neon orange bumper sticker on his wooden lectern that read, I break for Cunnerman. Read the bumper sticker. I break for Cunnerman. He loved what the word did to people, and he was more than happy to let kids know that they should not aspire to be Cunnerman. You'll hear more about Mr. Powell later. Back to the chalet.
0: Well, the purpose of a party is to have fun together. And a successful party needs planning
2: and skill. Let me tell you about the chalet. Once we started driving, it was the place for the in-crowd. It was invite-only, and I, of course, was not on the invite list.
0: Whether it's a special carnival designed for gay entertainment, or a game party in a home, a birthday party, a holiday party, they all take planning, and they should all be fun.
1: This didn't become a thing until the end of 10th grade and the arrival of a girl named Kirsten, or Kiri for short. Up to that point, you partied at homes or fields, but there was no cool place to party. That only happened in the movies, until it happened at Westwood. So let Teen Me give you a virtual tour of the chalet and the who's who list of high school popular kids that went there. Popularity is the currency of high
2: school. It buys a lot of things, but it also gets you laid. Let's watch these teenagers in action. I think nothing ever happened around the school except what they do? We'll be hearing about that party for a week. Oh, you we have to admit how anything does happen except the things they run. Mm-hmm. I'll be glad to get out of this school where one bunch runs everything.
1: Kirsten's father gave her a vacation ski chalet in the Westwood Mountains as a place for her and her friends to hang out for her junior and senior year. It quickly became an 80s speakeasy. Not just anyone could get in. It was invite only and might as well have had a secret password or knock. Only the best of the best got invited. It had three levels, a hot tub, pool table, one of those funky late 70s fireplaces with a long pipe that went all the way up through the ceiling, and shag carpeting. It had a full kitchen and lots of storage to keep beer and wine coolers cold. You started hearing about these gatherings in the hall before and after classes, but the kids who attended the chalet were smart enough to know you don't talk too much where the whole thing could get shut down. It was their special place, and it wasn't meant for me. Being a jock is like being in a famous band. Girls will bang you no matter how ugly you are. Scalzo was a shining example of this theory. Fucking Scalzo was invited. He would be in a corner with a beer in one hand, a cigar in the other, trying to impress (laughs) some girl. And there's Kellen and Allison. Ginny thinks that she has the key to
0: popularity, parking in cars with the boys at night. When Jerry brags about taking Ginny out, he learns that she dates all the boys.
2: Allison's nickname was Rooster because any cock'll do. And they said when she screamed during sex, she crowed. (laughs) Mick and Steve were best friends and played football since elementary with Craig, who suffered the consequences of passing out early at parties. And there's Kirsten, the owner of the chalet. She liked to be called Kiri, and often referred to herself in the third person. Kiri's dad gave her the chalet as a place to have fun junior and
1: senior year as an early grad gift. Kiri had this thing about referring to herself in the third person. She had a wicked sense of humor, was absolutely brilliant, clever, and classy. She could have been a terrific actress or stand-up comedian. She was gorgeous, and stacked, and Kiri had this habit of taking your hands, slapping them on her giant boobs, and saying, These are Kiri's breasts, baby. Becca was also a chalet favorite, a blonde bombshell who walked the fine line between future swimsuit model or porn star. The downstairs had a large TV room with a then-new giant projection television. Outside had a large deck with a hot tub where you could find Becca in some incredible bikini taking a soak with the leading men of our class. And I'll admit right here, seeing what those guys looked like basically undressed, I would have killed to have their bodies. Many legendary stories came out of the chalet parties. One of them involved Mick and Steve and a fellow football player named Craig Randall.
0: Well, there are still many details to be planned, but... The basic things are settled. Guest list, invitations, refreshments,
1: entertainment.
0: All these things should be planned to fit together well.
1: Many legendary stories came out of the chalet parties, and one of them involved Mick and Steve and the aforementioned Craig Randall, a fellow football player. Craig had the bad luck of being the son of our school's head custodian, Ted Randall. One night after a chalet party, Nick, Steve, and Scalzo drove a naked and passed out Craig home at four in the morning. They carried his naked ass to the front door of his house with Fuck You Ted written in marker on his forehead. Craig was infamous for always passing out at parties and then being abused by his fellow teammates. He came to school the following Mondays covered in faded marker vandalism to his face and body. It was basically a walk of shame. Their son was duct-taped naked to a chair on their front porch. Ted? Ted, who is it? Is it Craig?
2: Oh, not again!
1: I became politically aware somewhere in eighth grade with the election of Ronald Reagan. Well, Iran can kiss my ass. I found I could imitate his voice easily and got some laughs from the girls. Ninth grade was my lost year, and I was so lost in freshman misery, I paid no attention to student government politics whatsoever.
0: Some of you may be asking yourselves, why should we be bothered with developing citizenship responsibilities? Well, there are many reasons.
1: I remember we did elect the kid we felt was the smartest in our class for our freshman class president. Whether he chose to run again or not, we ended up getting Joanne for our sophomore class president. It was during one of our first sophomore class assemblies that I realized our class was in some deep financial shit. Joanne stood up there with our principal, Mr. Hines, watching from the sidelines, ready to cowboy the assembly in case it got out of hand. Joanne stood up there with a straight face and told us our sausage and cheese sale was failing. She needed the class of 85 to get behind it. I was sitting next to Tony in that assembly, hardly able to believe what I was hearing. We're selling sausage and cheese?
2: So run for class president. It's a friggin' popularity
1: contest.
2: Joanne got elected.
1: Tony always made me think, and that morning was no different. A few days later in English class, surrounded by that popular block of kids, I floated the idea of me running for junior class president. Elections were coming in May, and it was February.
2: You run for class president?
1: Nick chimed in. Why would anyone want to be class president? Our class sucks. (laughs) Stick to movies. And then Butch, in his best Ronald Reagan voice said, Well, I'd vote for you. And Steve was Steve, saying, You got my vote, Spielberg. Student government isn't about governing. It's about what you can do for the people.
2: I needed to make them feel like I had a plan to make money and have a great prom.
1: Well, Nancy. That's just what I did. It was Tony who pushed me to run. She was the counterculture popular girl and, and whether she really believed I could win class president, it didn't matter. I had her endorsement and her belief that I could do it.
2: To be honest may
0: sound easy, some of the time it is, but it can be a real problem. Especially when wanting to be honest conflicts with other things you want to do.
1: I got an official student council petition Got the required signatures, and I was off to the races as 10th grade started to come to a close. About six kids were going to run against me. We were finishing our 10th grade year almost broke, and we had a senior prom on the horizon to pay for. My only real competition that year was Stacy Kimmins. Beautiful, popular, perfect Stacy Kimmins. Stacy Kimmons would come at you with a smile on her face and a knife behind her back. You expected the knife. What you didn't expect was the poison on her lips. Now Stacey's speech was professional and all business. I took a different approach, barring from Ronald Reagan, reaching out to the kids like me, the ones on the fringe, the ones not on the chalet invite list, the ones who felt left out but wanted to belong.
2: I'll end this speech by saying this. We are not only a great class, but we're a damn great class.
1: All that applause, but it was Tony in the front row applauding and giving me a hearty thumbs up and a smile. That's what did it for me. I won by a landslide. Two more nerds and one wet dream won with me to become my fellow officers. Stacy got elected to her second choice. Student Council President. I met with outgoing President Joanne in the last two weeks of school. She was happy to slide this big accordion file across a table to me. She looked at me with tired eyes and said, Good luck, Mr. President.
2: Are you better off than you were four years ago? Well, Nancy, Iran can kiss my ass. Popularity.
0: What is it made of? How does a person get to be popular with lots of people and have a few close friends too? Let's watch and see what makes people like one person and not another.